What's going on, everybody? This is Jerome Moore, host and creator of Deep Dish Conversations. And firstly, I want to say thank you for all of support and thank you for exploring the perspectives of social change with me on this platform. I want to encourage you all to like, subscribe, and follow us on YouTube and on your favorite podcast listening platform. And make sure you give us a five-star rating if you're loving the Deep Dish Conversations. I appreciate all of the support again. I hope you all enjoy this episode. And so can you just tell us, you know, a little bit about yourself? You know, who you are, where you're mm-hmm. from, your background, and just, you know, how you just be doing your shit? Absolutely. So I'm I'm Erica Perry. I'm a movement lawyer and community organizer with the Black Nashville Assembly. Shout out to us. Um, I'm from Nashville. I went to East Literature. Um, grew up in uh, the Bordeaux area in Madison and then uh, went to undergrad at UT and law school in Memphis. And so really was radicalized and organized uh, throughout law school and undergrad and um I guess, so started a BLM chapter in Memphis, then started working for Law for Black Lives, so been doing movement work, movement lawyering throughout the country for about uh, four or five years, and then decided to like come home and do local work, do local movement lawyering work, um, and organizing with the Black National Assembly, so I'm really excited to really do work focused on, of course, black liberation, but also on like transforming our community, especially using participatory democracy uh, with black people. um, So that because of the folks who are most impacted when we uh, buy unjust and anti-black laws. And so really excited to be fighting to transform Nashville with my people. Right. And so just because since we both from Nashville, right, um, I grew up in the Bottle area. Okay, Bardo. I know they be coming at me for not saying it right. (laughs) You you, you said it right, but you didn't say it Nashville. My bad. You know what I'm saying? That's like saying, you know what I'm saying, I'm going on Buchanan. You know what I'm saying? I be saying Buchanan. (laughs) That's that's ridiculous. Don't tell nobody. No, I'm telling everybody. This is going to be the main snippet right here. Oh, shit. Erica Perry says Buchanan. Nashville nigga says you know, Buchanan and Bordeaux. Right. No. Even though my daddy used to work on this street before it was gentrified when it was Jones. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, we're going to get into that too. We're going to yeah. get into it. Let's get Hold on. Let, I want to get right into it then. Okay. I want to get right into it then. Because um, I, had, uh, I had some fam on and we were just talking about like how Germantown was Salem town. Mm-hmm. How, uh, you know, now you need money to live in. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Both yeah. And how um, it's trendy now to be from North Nashville or to be doing work in North Nashville. Mm -hmm. And your work, like, how does that make you feel um, that now, you know, everybody, it seems like everybody I meet now is North Nashville for some reason. And exploiting North Nashville in our culture. Uh, Yeah. Um, So... Yeah, I'm from Bordeaux. Um, <laughs> so I went to school at East Lit, but I think what's also interesting is I went to Wharton also, which is right in the middle of North Nashville. Right. Uh, my family worked on, I spoke a little bit about my, my father working on Buchanan, uh, like probably in the 90s, um, and what it looked like when we were working over there, when I was going to school over there. And 
to be honest, it's a bit heartbreaking to see the way that North Nashville has been sold and given away um, to developers and our people have been pushed out. And so people who we went to middle school with, high school with, and when I say we, I mean like um, uh, we kind of started the Black National Assembly with Jamel Kamaguchi was also from North Nashville. And so even though he be trying to deny it, we went to the same church. We also went to the same high school. And so when I talk about our people, I'm talking about people from Nashville, another person who we uh co-founded uh bna with mike floss also from north nashville went to pearl cone and right. so we live in and my, seeing that my classmate pearl. oh dang you went shout to pearl out. too okay not put him on, nah, front, street. Put him on front street he didn't want to play basketball i'm still mad at him today. hey dang nah. <laughs> he gonna have to come next um but so you know we sitting here organizing trying to like make a political agenda mm -hmm. and create policies and programs that would invite our people back into the communities we grew up in. And so we work with so many people who are like, I'm living in Murfreesboro, Clarksville, or Gallatin, because they can't afford to live in the city they grew up in. And, you know, similarly, we saw the way that the tornado pushed our people out again. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's absolutely heartbreaking. The other piece that's really important to name is that we always talk about North Nashville being, uh, or at least 3728, being one of the most highly incarcerated places in the country. And what's disturbing is because we know they did not invest in North Nashville. And, you know, when North Nashvilleans were like, yo, we want to invest in our community, they ran an interstate through there. Y'all been talking about that. Cool. But then they decided to invest in North Nashville with police and incarceration. Right. And so now we see a different type of posture towards North Nashville, North Nashville since the people look different, right? Since it's since people who not black are living right. in the neighborhood. Right. And so it's frustrating and it's heartbreaking. So we think about how do we practice participatory democracy with people who have been pushed out or people who have been able to hold on for just a little while uh, to create policies and create a public budget that would invite people back home. Right. Because we already see they building um, what apartment complexes on Rose Park and things right. like that, that our people are not going to be able to afford to live in. Many of us are, of us won't. Working class black people, I know I can barely afford to live in Nashville. Um, so, like I said, it's heartbreaking, uh, but I mm -hmm. think we, you know, doing the work to make sure that we can invite our people back home. Right. All this is rooted into white supremacy. Mm -hmm. Racism, yeah, essentially, right. That's what it, that's what it's rooted in, and a lot of people don't know how to navigate that. Yeah, um, and so what 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 is what is your perspective and what is your kind of suggestions? Whether that's personally through the work you're doing through the Black National Assembly, on how can community figure out how to navigate all of this change? Yeah, um, that's happening. Yeah, I mean, because it happened so swiftly. I remember um, I, uh, I was a greater Bethel growing up, and I remember going away to college and coming back and seeing the way they were starting to develop it. And, and at the time, I maybe didn't have the analysis to recognize that it would displace our people, but I remember being like, I can't wait to move home and live close to my church. I moved home in 2019. I could not afford the apartments over there. Right. Um, and that, I'm talking about in the Gulch. And so, uh, again, we look and we see that my church members have been displaced. But I think the way that we start to 
uh, address and fight white supremacy and the ways that it shows up in policies uh, via the mayor and city council and start to recognize the ways in which it is white supremacist and anti-black. And so you've had organizations like or coalitions like the National People's Budget Coalition or the Black National Assembly or PATH really call out the way that anti-blackness is entrenched in the policies that they pass, even in the way that they conduct zoning, right? We've sat in city council um, with our city council watch and watched city council members who ran on a progressive platform give the city away. And so it's absolutely disturbing. So I think one thing is to really recognize that to address white supremacy requires us to shift power, shift power back to uh, oppressed co communities, back to the black community, right? Back to, back to working class communities. Because right now you probably look at city council, you like, them people not working class, or at least they not they not accountable to working class people. And so, and so look, we finna heat it up. We finna heat it up. You brought it here, so we taking it. Okay. There. One is people that's listening and watching that don't know. They finna do a, another redistricting, mm -hmm. redistricting of Nashville. So right. people keep your eye on that and and what's happening with that, um, and figure out what that means for your community, right? Right. Um, secondly, and so when you say when you when we look at the city council. Um, you can say school board, all of that stuff, all mm -hmm. of these kind of positions, and they don't reflect community, right? Well, we know there's black folks in these positions, yeah. right? Um, and some would say they're perpetuating the harm of, of black folks in the positions at the end. Yeah. Um, hmm. Some people... My God. No, no, we're going to get into it. Go, some go people, for it. Some people think... Representation. Come on, that's exactly where I was gonna go. <laughs> it's a pro it's progressive, and Come that's, on. Yep. that's fixing the problem, right? And if people don't know, like Dr. Clive Anderson is one of my favorite like authors and and, and mm -hmm. black scholars, right? right? And he has a whole statistical breakdown from like 1968 that shows like black people have been getting these political positions mm -hmm. and like things of social and economic value has not changed. Right, us, right, right. So what do you say to, you know, community that say, well, we have, uh, you know, we have black people in council. We have black mm -hmm. people in the mayor's office. Um, they, they might maybe, you know, grew up here or live in those right. communities. You know, is that not enough? Like what, so what more can, can they do or should, should do or should happen? Right. Yeah, I really like that you talk about and lifted up representation because one of the things that the Black National Assembly has been really rallying people around, organizing folks around, is that we want power, not representation, right? It's not enough to have a black person in these positions, um, especially if they don't have share our values or um, our desire for safety and freedom. And so a few things. One of the ways that I think we're trying to address it is through community organizing, and, through cre and in that, creating a political agenda and fighting to implement that. And so we're like, yo, we're having assemblies with black people. We're hosting mass meetings. We're surveying people to create an agenda that reflects the heart of our values, the heart of our politics, and really will change our material conditions. Because I think what has happened is a number of the black people who we see in positions right now 
likely chose themselves as leaders. They didn't come out the community and, and people were like, we want you to be our leader. We feel that you have our politics. And so I think for us, we have to um, really organize and come together and decide what our agenda is and vote for people who reflect that agenda. Because we've been voting for people because they got what Freeman is the last name or Johnson. we like, oh, okay, they black. But now we want to make, actually choose who we're voting for based off of whether they will make a commitment to implement our agenda because actually what's happening is um and we see that in like how we're living right now so we see that um some of the many of the elected officials that are now in office they are accountable not to community but to developers to the police to the fop and we keep seeing them give more money to the police um and it's especially disturbing that part because the police have shot nine people this year and taken what three lives or six lives um, and that's absolutely heartbreaking when we know that we could have used that money to towards education. We could have used that money to help people get the health care they need during the middle of a pandemic or transportation to get back and forth between uh, hospital visits or to their job. And so um, they made those decisions because, right. again, they didn't have an accountability structure. And so what, that's what we're trying to do. So it's like we're not trying to send you in there by yourself where you accountable to somebody else. We want uh, for our leaders to come out of the assembly, right, and be accountable to that. Um, and I think that'll help us navigate white supremacy and top of white supremacy if we actually build the political power um, that it is required to transform our community. And just one more thing that I feel like is important, and I'm going to stop. Um, we've been really talking about, for us, our we create a space for people who can't vote, right, people who won't vote, and people who don't have nothing to vote for. And a lot of these people ain't got, why we vote for you, okay? You ain't said anything that's going to help make sure I can come back home and live in the city that I grew up in. Um, So I feel like that's extremely important. And so a couple points there. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, 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 no. No, this is is why we're here. No, this is why we're here. Um, And everything that you're saying is is hard-hitting and on the money, right? And if you if you and if you're on the ground and if you're around the people that's doing the work, you, you're going to share similar kind of um, perspectives and s- similar things that, that we need to do in our community. And so, um, getting to uh, the Black National Assembly, right? I know that you all invited, you know, council persons mm-hmm. we to did. you know come and you know share and listen and be a part of building out this agenda mm-hmm. or at least, you know, getting the voices of the people that have the decision-making power now to see how they fit into the agenda, the black agenda that's going on, right? right. Um, how did that pan out? I'm happy that you mentioned that. And so the last, we had a State of Black Nashville Town Hall in February of this year, earlier this year, and we'll have another one um, February 29th in 2022 focused on public safety. Uh, so we held that, and we really, a uh, part of us building the political agenda was to also ask elected officials, hey, what are you doing to address our issues? Um, and they spoke a lot about what they're trying to do, and a lot of it didn't really address our real needs. And so we pushed them on, like, what are y'all doing to really take money and put it into community-led, community-accountable violence interruption and violence prevention? What are y'all doing to put money into housing? And so um, we had those discussions, and then we got to budget season, and I think they gave $25 million to housing and, again, 250 200 
and 50 million to the police, right? And 25 million to housing. And that was right before we knew that we were going to, going into an eviction crisis and knowing that uh, the pandemic would continue at least for the next couple of months. Um, and so those conversations are necessary to be able to express what our, what we hope the future can look like, what policies we think will actually address our needs. But um, the current city council continues to fall short. Um, and it's it's sad, but we started in 2020 mm-hmm. knowing that we would have to build the political power necessary to really elect uh, city council members um, who would reflect our agenda and our um, and our need to transform our community in 2023. So while we've been working to hold this current council accountable, we know that we have to prepare for 2023 because they actually have shown over the last two years that they're not going to move, that they are actually um, in deep alignment with uh, developers and the fraternal order of police. 2023 is a big year. Yeah. Along with next year, too, of course. Yeah, next year, because judges. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is also important. Yeah, judges. Yeah, 2022 judges. And the district attorney. Yeah. Right. Well, he has a few issues he needs to address yeah, as well. Um, so yeah. And I hope that the questions you were asking is uh, what is his uh, policy on uh, c- trying and convicting uh, young black people as adults? Uh, how why he gave uh, Andrew Delkey, who killed Daniel Hambrick, uh, a three year plea deal. Um, the other questions being why does he. Um, uh, why is he aggressively prosecuting black peoples and working to sentence them to 15, 20, 50 years in prison? Mm-hmm. Um, and why we haven't seen wor- much work from him uh, and any of the judges really around really um, focusing on alternatives and creating community-led versions of public safety? Well, all the, like, so maybe all the judges, because all the seats are up, I believe. Yeah, all of them. All the, all the seats are up, I believe, going into 2022. And I invite every judge the one that's an incumbent or trying to run, mm-hmm. come up and deep have a conversation with me. Let's talk about right. it. Right. I got some questions that you can ask. No, no, like, this, <laughs> of course. like you know, um, y'all are great at surveys, mm-hmm. which y'all do far as with the Black uh, National Assembly. And so, yeah, we can take a survey of questions on, right. on, on what should be asked and see if we can get some responses. Yeah. So, right. It's an open, open door policy up yeah. there, and everybody's welcome to state their their perspective, their story, mm-hmm. what they're doing, not doing, and, and why for right. uh, why they are. So that would be um, helpful. No, no, very. Yeah. Helpful. This is this is why this is why this platform is here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but so I'm gonna get into this other thing, and then I'm, I want to wrap back around, like kind of you personally, right? And this is kind of a loaded phrase. Okay. Public safety. Yeah. That covers a lot of stuff, and mm-hmm. it sounds. It sounds helpful, like it sounds healthy, yeah. right? A lot of times, someone people say, "Oh, you know, public safety," and a lot of people might think of like healthcare, mm-hmm. um, communications, emergency communications, yeah, um, policing mm-hmm. is in there, right? Um, and what I've noticed a lot of times in Nashville, but a lot of places, a lot of communities. People, they try to manipulate us, I feel, when they say public safety automatically means, oh, we want more police. Right. And I know the um, Nashville uh, Budget. National People's Budget Coalition. Yeah. National People's Budget Coalition kind of did a whole 
a whole proposal, a whole breakdown right. yes. on like where that public safety money is going. Um, what does public safety mean to you and what does that look like? Yeah, I'm really happy you named that because one of the things that we've been really trying to um, talk to people about and really push uh, decision makers on is really redefining public safety. Because right now public safety is solely um, policing and incarceration, right? And, you know, to be honest, they also include the fire department and EMS, EMS inside of the public safety budget. Um, but police and jails get uh, the lion's share of both our tax dollars and also the uh, public safety dollars. Right. And so for us, we've really been talking to, especially for the Black National Assembly, talking to black people, talking to our community around what does public safety mean to you? What makes you feel safe? And so we've held assemblies, mass meetings, and even public safety workshops where we sat and we asked people, what makes you feel safe? And people will say housing, if I have access to housing, right. if I have access to health care when I'm sick right. uh, that I can actually afford, right. um, if I have access to transportation, uh, if my children or the people in my, the young people in my community have access to education, um, if I have somebody that can care for me when I'm going through a difficult time. Right. Those are the things that people say make them feel safe. Um, in the conversations we've had, people don't say that somebody being locked in a cage or uh, police make them feel safe. Actually, especially for black people, the police make them feel not safe. They're actually afraid of what an encounter with the police will result in because it could be deadly or extremely harmful. And, you know, at the very least, uh, humiliating. Um, and so we've been really trying to gather people around developing a community-led version of public safety that centers around our care, our healing, and community-centered versions of accountability, right, that don't result in throwing people up, uh, throwing people away in a cage. And I think that what's important to name is that when we talk about public safety and we talk about uh, taking money from police and jails and really putting that into community-centered versions of um, violence and eruption and social services, that is because we're actually trying to prevent harm and address harm when it happens. And so um, the district attorney, the judges, they can't give us any justice, right, when we're harmed. Um, the police come after a harm has been committed. They, they're not going to prevent it. Um, but what we can do is create the social services that people need so that um, they have more choices, right, and aren't harmful. And then we can create... Uh, institutions or we can create programs that foster transformative justice so that people can start to address their harm and heal because that we're not getting the healing we need actually and so I think it's extremely frustrating when we talk to young people right now who are 15 and we talk to people who went to jail like 25 or you know 30 years ago and they're having the same experiences they're talking about well I did these things or I'm doing these things because I ain't got food to eat or I got kicked out of school. And so I'm like, well, something's wrong because we've invested billions of dollars in the policing and jails. So why are we still having the same conversations? It's because it's not working. Um, and again, we, you know, the police right now, uh, the mayor, city council are really just obsessed with controlling black people, right? Throwing us away in cages. And so while they're gentrifying our communities, they rounding us up and throwing us away um, when they can't push us out efficiently. And so I think that we want to create a public safety uh, plan that actually that is focused on addressing our real needs and not just throwing us away. What does a community without police 
look like. Yeah. And, and let me preface okay. it. Okay. Let me let me preface it. Um, because a lot of people, these are the things that you hear, right? You hear defund police, mm-hmm. you hear abolish, yeah, right? police. Um, those are like the two 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 main things. Like yeah. you could take money away and just get rid of police and mm-hmm. right? Um. <laughs> Getting rid of policing altogether, mm, I don't know, I don't, because of what this country is rooted in. Right. I don't know if that, if that happens diplomatically. Hmm. Getting rid of policing, I don't know if that happens diplomatically, um, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, you hear community policing. Um, that, that has been, that, that is brought up as well. So those kind of community police, defund police, abolish police. Yeah, so I have a few thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think that, so I would just want to lift up uh, Black Visions Collective in Minneapolis, right, who held a vote, who, um, what, last month, uh, to try to replace their police department with a community-centered public safety, okay. right? So it was like, let's disband our, our police department and create um, a community, a version of community-centered public safety where people could be held accountable, could get their needs met, but would not be forced to deal with the police. Um, and so they took it to a vote in their city, and I believe what it was 40,000 or 60,000 people actually voted to disband the police department and create an alternative. Um, unfortunately, they didn't have enough votes. But what that means is that there are a number of people who would disband the police department if there was something we could create in its place that would actually address our needs for public safety, that create and invest in social services so people are less likely right, to cause harm and uh, would actually create ways for us to hold each other accountable and prevent harm. And so I think what's important to name is that I myself am an abolitionist. I know that uh, jails, prisons, uh, the criminal legal system, and policing are rooted in anti-blackness and are born out of the enslavement of my people. And I am deeply troubled by that, right? Um, and so, right, we carry on in the tradition of Harry Tubman, uh, Fannie Lou Hamer, and Ella Baker to really disband the institutions that are committed to harming our people. Um, and it's important to name that when we talk about abolition or defunding the police, that we know that it is a process, right? We don't envision getting rid of the police or um, jails tomorrow, right? But what we are doing is fostering public safety by asking city council, right? By putting people in power who invest more in social services and education, who will make sure young people have access to emotional wellness, right? Have access to the things they need, whether that be food or housing, right? So they are not on the streets harming themselves or each other. Um, and so. And in the process, we are creating communities that don't need police, right? You right. go to Brentwood, you know, nice part of Brentwood, they don't need police. They need police to protect them from, right, people who might come in, per se. But they good because right. all their needs are met. Right. And so my concern, and getting back to gentrification, is that North Nashville will come a place that don't need police after they already done pushed us out. Right. right. And that is deeply disturbing. So they just pushing around problems when we're asking, can you give us the resources we need, transportation and health care and equitable and beautiful education so that we don't even need police. And so that's what we're talking about. Right. Um, but it's hard for people to see that vision. Right. Because we haven't been able to create it. But I think my 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 um, 
what I'm dreaming about and what I'm believing is that we can create those communities right here in 37208, right here in 37115 together. Um, but it's going to require us to um, really invest in our people. And the current city council may are not, they're, they're not concerned with that. And so we got to put people in office uh, like y'all, right. <laughs> right, who are right. actually concerned with the well-being right. of our people. Woo! Hey, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I love it. You got and, me in the hot seat. I'm like, oh, let me. No, explain no, no, no. And again, like, there might be some people offended, and you're more than welcome. And as everybody knows, this is a neutral ground for people to come and, and be educated mm -hmm. about what's going on about or about not, about what's not going on uh, in communities that we all live in uh, here in Nashville, uh, but. I hope people are really like you dropping some gems and I, it's, it's even educational to me because it's always refreshing to just hear from somebody else other than yourself sometimes. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so um, that's that's refreshing. And I want to kind of talk about like who Erica is because something happened or you seen something mm -hmm. or went through something in your journey to get to this point where you wear so yeah. many different community hats and so passionate about um, what you do, and so can you can you speak on just how how this yeah all these social how we get to this issues, moment yeah yeah like how do we get here how do we get the Erica that we have today that cares so much about community um, black folks mm -hmm. um, just creating an equitable and just like, yeah. place um, for mm -hmm. people that look like you and just for for, for black people specifically. And for people that are being harmed and oppressed right, yeah. um, in this country and in our communities. Yeah. Um, really, I am who I am today. And I fight and organize the way um, with so much heart and passion is because, like, Black people have loved me. Black people have cared for me. I have had a strong community throughout my entire life. I come from um, – uh, and so we often ask this question um, – uh, as organizers, who are your people? And so it's my people that bring me to this moment today. Like my parents are from Paris, Tennessee. So I have a, a big family of people who love God because they love God and they love Jesus. They love people. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up around uh, black church folks who really love they love God's people. And so that meant a lot of volunteering, whether it was at the hospital, volunteering at um, at shelters for people who are experiencing homelessness. Um, and it meant a lot of reading. And so going to the library, I worked at the library when I was uh, uh, 16. And then I also was a part of this mayor's internship program where I interned at the sheriff's department um and so i interned over there on way um in antioch at the jail and so it was that i was 17 i remember my i was assigned to really put some files away and review the like personal statements of people who were currently going through one of the programs and i remember sitting on the floor uh one summer day and i was crying because i was reading these stories and it was people who were experiencing so much trauma and harm and the system had decided to throw them away and so a little 17 year old me was like this is absolutely unacceptable um and it was at that moment that i decided to commit my life to really creating safe communities and abolishing 
the prison industrial complex, right? And right. building up uh, community center versions of public safety and, and transformation um, and investing in social services that would start to address those needs. Um, and so I think, like, I grew up going to Greater Bethel and Mount Zion. So, you right. know, I believe, like, I think Mount most Zion of, before they had a thousand <laughs> locations. <laughs> nah, I was, go, I was going with, um, I went to, so I used to go to two church, two church services uh, every Sunday because I went to church with my mama and I went to church with my daddy. Uh-huh. And so I'm hearing about like the world that Jesus wants us to live in. Jesus right. wants us to be blessed and be whole. And I'm right. looking like, okay, thank you, Jesus. Yes. But I'm like, what about the people who I be uh, driving by and seeing who are like asking for money, right? right? What about the people I'm seeing being terrorized by the police and go to jail? What Jesus want for them? Right. And so, um, because my faith, right, is so strong, I was like, Jesus gave us the power to fight for our people. Right. And so that's how I get here, because I love Jesus. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a little black church girl who believed that God gave us the power to fight for our people. And so what happens? <laughs> this, is, this is an amazing one right here. I'm, 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 I'm curious to hear your answer. What happens if all the things that you have spoken about, right, all the changes needed, what happens to communities, what happens to Nashville if those things don't start to happen or just don't happen at all? Right. What happens if we don't, aren't equipped with the resources um, and the social services and support and policies we need to live in harmony and for folks to live full and beautiful lives. Um, gosh, I think it can, I think we, we, we will see Nashville transform into a place where we see very few working class black people, working class people at all. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the average rent right now? What, $2,000? I don't know, maybe $1,800 yeah, something like that. for a two bedroom. Um, and I think that we see the police be used as a tool to control and, and push our people out of the city while people might come in to work, right? They'll probably be policed um, as they as they go home into Clarksville and other parts of Middle Tennessee. Um, and I think we'll see the jail budget increase, right, where we'll have to, you know, throw people away or they'll throw people away uh, because they can't find housing or because they got pushed out of schools or their schools weren't equipped to deal with the issues that they had going on. But I think that if we don't, really if we if if the work of community organizers like Jamel Campbell Gooch, Michael Floss, Theta Murphy, um, if that work is not honored, um and uh, then I, I think we, we go towards a place of destruction. But, you know, again, like I'm a person of faith, and so I, I believe that we will win. Right. Um, it might not happen next year. might not happen right. in 2023. But, you know, soon, right, yeah. soon we'll start to see right. uh, the fruits of our labor, right. um, and we'll see our, our community be transformed. And so we got to work like we're going to win, you know? And so, look, yeah, I got one more closing question. <laughs> okay, you're going to close like a preacher. I'm, 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 I'm closing. <laughs> Mike. So I gotta pick with you on this, but it's, but it's a serious question. Okay. Are we gonna end up seeing more disturbance um, like we kind of had early in the year at City Council um, when there was some back and forth, it was some, it was some drama, but I know you and others of the community was there um, at City Council a city council hearing, and I wasn't there, um, 
but I just seen what everybody else seen mm-hmm. and heard whatever everybody else heard. So I'm asking you. Yeah. Um, and you ain't gotta detail what actually happened, but just the event. Like I like seeing that because people of their communities there and shit is getting stirred up and that means people care, right? Mm-hmm. That means people care. Do are we seeing more of that going mm-hmm. forward, that type of energy? Yeah. Right? And this and that's healthy energy, that's healthy tension. Mm-hmm. Um that I hope hopefully community can appreciate, even though it's gonna it's, optics is gonna look like optics. Yeah. But, you know, but I I seen it as healthy tension and people that really wanna see natural change for the better care and holding our people in leadership, elected officials in leadership accountable. Is is are we seeing more of that going forward? So I'm that's yeah, I wasn't expecting this question, but I what we saw at city council that was in June and so that was after they passed their budget. Um and I remember we were there and the Mosaic Warriors had come and so they were in the middle of their fight to try to stop their um landlord from right evicting them so that they can bring more people in and charge them higher rent. And they were there to ask city council to just give them a little, a little bit of attention, right? Mm-hmm. And try to start to prevent them from getting evicted. Uh, we had other people there who were trying to uh, push city, city council to, to pass a people's budget. And we got to a part where they decided they were gonna give, you know, more money to the police, $250 million to the police at least. Um, they were only gonna give $25 million to, um, what is it, um, housing and uh, again, crumbs to other social services, the health department, community libraries, community centers. Um, and I think we, we, we were really heartbroken when we saw city council stand up and clap for themselves. And I'm like, y'all clapping when we got our neighbors right here to the right of us who getting evicted and y'all don't have the money to save them um, or to help them, right, get through this forced transition. And we played, we were cool. And then uh, the security guard came in and took the Mosaic Warrior sign. And so I think what you saw was the solidarity, the multiracial uh, solidarity and organizing that is necessary for us to win in Nashville. Um, And so if I had to really... Um, uh, you know, do some visioning, I would imagine that we're going to see more, and we have to see more multiracial solidarity and organizing. And, you know, as we organize a part of that, right, as we are trying to encourage um, city council and people who have the power to meet our needs, uh, to move them, right, we do engage in peaceful protest and civil right. disobedience. We will still encourage people to go to city council and uh, speak out at public comment during the budget hearing um so i'd imagine we gonna you know still keep foots on the ground feet on the ground um and organize our people and do some solidarity work to make sure we can get a people's budget so i'm gonna feel to all that yes there will will be some static we still gonna be turning up yes (laughs) there there will be some static um no no and i have another question because i thought i was done but i'm not okay okay um speaking of solidarity you know, Nashville is diversely segregated, mm-hmm. right? Um, a lot of different people in a lot of different pockets. And many of us, like myself included, like when I was growing up here anyway, I didn't get out of my North Nashville bubble. Mm-hmm. I stayed in Bottle Kings Lane. I stayed in my Clarksville Highways, Mark Kroger. Right, and yeah. Then even, and even though, um, like, I would go over the Clarksville Highway Bridge, a lot of times, like, 
I didn't really, I didn't need to like go to on 22nd or 23rd. Really, on, on I'll go to the Kroger's on my road because mm-hmm. like I had my, you know what I'm saying? Even though yeah. y'all know I had my Kroger. That was my Kroger too. Yeah, that Clarksville yeah, Highway Kroger. Yeah, that was our Kroger. Yeah, that's our Kroger, right? <laughs> my local Kroger. I don't know who Kroger that is. Right. Now. Y'all got some explaining to do. Nah, <laughs> but um, how? What kind of because of that? Like that? That segregation, that diversity of segregation that we have here. Have you seen it being kind of difficult to organize, um, multiculturally organize different groups of people um, that all that all that, that that are facing different issues on different levels here in Nashville? Hmm. I think like it hasn't been difficult to organize Black people from throughout the the city. I think that um, like it, the Latinx community, and, um, trans. Um, the LBGTQ community in general, um, uh, the Kurdish community. Um, it's, it's a lot of different communities here that, you know, we, we all have our different, like, right. social... Some are different issues. issues. Right. Yeah, I think that, so one, in organizing, you know, Black National Assembly, we organize in all black people, right? So right. we organize in black people who are trans, queer, right. um, and because we are led by people with all those experiences, we right. haven't had any trouble organizing our people. But right. I will say that um, some of the multiracial organizing, right, can be a little bit difficult. Right. Um, we've done quite a bit of that, and sometimes the language, right, can be an issue, and so we really try to practice language justice to make sure that um, our meetings and even our surveys are accessible. Right. And so that has been really important because you know in Antioch people it's diverse you living with each other y'all going to the same Kroger the same Sam's all of those things but um, there are things that make it a little bit more difficult or challenging to organize with each other and so some of that of course is language culture um, anti-blackness and so my hope is that as we engage in more multiracial organizing, that folks will do the work to address like homophobia, transphobia, anti-blackness, xenophobia. So because, you know, the way that city council, the mayor, um, the way that structural violence works is impacting all of us, right? Right. Maybe in different ways, but we're all being impacted and harmed. And so we wanna be able to engage in organizing based off of that, but it requires us both, like it requires us to begin to address some of those issues. And so, you know, I've had some trouble, right? Organizing and having to deal with anti-blackness, right? Organizing and have to deal with homophobia, yes. Um, But I deeply love black people. I really believe that we can create a city um, where we all can live in harmony. Um, and our, our city can be transformed. And so um, we doing the work. We invite other organizations, other folks to do that work too, mm-hmm. uh, so that we can create a unified people's budget in a, a Nashville uh, that is run by the people. And I mean working class people. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, 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 that's it. <laughs> okay. like, I, I, hope, I hope everybody was able to you know, really um, be inspired, be informed, be educated. Uh, not only by the things that you said, but just your passion, right? Mm-hmm. I know that's going to come across to people, um, just your passion, how much you deeply care about community, about our, na- you know, our, we all neighbors, right? Right. Um, no matter what part of the city you live in, we're neighbors, and we're all affected by this racism, discrimination, this white supremacy, mm-hmm. on different spectrums and levels, but we all affected, right? Um, I'm going to leave the last word to you. Do you have anything... Uh, on, be- on behalf of this community, mm-hmm. um, the Black National Assembly, um, and just you know, just you as a, just a, just a, just a black woman, like is anything mm-hmm. that you wanna 
to leave out with and, and say to, to the viewers and the listeners? Absolutely. So uh, the Black National Assembly is creating a community-centered a public safety plan. Folks can take our public safety survey at 615safety.com. Uh, we are also engaging in work to organize and rebuild and transform our community. And I invite folks to follow us on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter to really get involved. We got a mass meeting coming up January 29th. We have a an amazing town hall we're planning um, on February 26th, and folks can visit us on Instagram to really uh, get involved. And so, you know, you know, stay woke, stay in love with the people. I love y'all black people for sure. <laughs> and get involved. Nah, get involved. Nah, I appreciate you, Eric. I appreciate your time and just what you do again and just giving you your flowers and um, just thank you just for being a part of the community. Thank you so much for having me. All right, that's it. Much love. Yep, nah, peace. Sure. Peace. <laughs>